Welcome to episode four of The Teacher's Promise. Once again, I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm honored to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you and exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, Amanda Spooty shares the pros and cons, mostly pros, of teaching middle school science in rural America. We hope to see you again next week when Brett Chappell explains how essential it is to find and retain extraordinary talent in New York City. It doesn't matter where you live, East Coast or Midwest, all our children need educators like these two. Let's get started. So it's my great pleasure today to interview a spectacular, wonderful teacher. Uh, Amanda Spooty is with us today, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the wonderful aspects of being uh, a middle school science teacher, and also uh, many of the things that just makes her an excellent uh, educator and part of our community. So um, Amanda, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience um, with schooling, and then maybe a little bit about why you became a teacher. Sure. Thank you for having me today. So I'm just starting my 12th year of teaching. Um, I taught, let's see, it's hard to remember. I feel like I'm getting old. So I taught for a year, um, a fifth grade. I taught in an upper elementary school near Madison. Um, And then I was very fortunate to come back to Southern Door and teach at the school that I went to. Um, And I taught a little bit of eighth grade. And then I kind of found my calling in sixth grade and it's kind of funny because when you tell people that you teach middle school some people kind of cringe like oh my gosh like kudos to you right um but i feel i feel like i'm made for middle school for some reason but i've taught sixth grade then um since 2013 so um i've been in sixth grade science for quite a while um i went to Ripon College. So when I graduated from Southern Dora, I went to Ripon College and had a really awesome kind of small town experience there. And they had a really awesome program in their um, teaching department where you could do part of your student teaching abroad. So I did part of my student teaching in Ripon and then I did my other half in Sydney, Australia. So I taught a seventh grade, all girls school, seventh grade math during my student teaching, which was just a fabulous really, really neat experience. Not only to to teach somewhere else, but just a little bit of a different culture, I would say. Um, And then here I am, yeah. Awesome, so (laughs) your international experience started very young. Um, Did you notice anything different about like the relationships between teachers and students in Australia? Mm. So a lot of schools in Australia, well, specifically where I was, which was in Sydney, uh, we had all girls schools and all boys schools. So I was at the all girls school and I actually went, one of my friends who I went to college with taught at the all boys school. So I guess I would say one of the main differences I think was they didn't have that challenge of connecting you know, with both genders. So they could really focus on what kind of works in their mind with a female versus a male. So um, culturally, I think it was a little bit more laid back I would say than in here, but it was also just more female-oriented because we were at an all-girls school. So um, it was just easier for me to connect, being a female. Um, and yeah, that would probably be the biggest difference, I would say, is very um, just separated by gender. Yeah, I've often thought that it would be easier for skill development mm-hmm. and uh, for many other aspects of teaching 
if it was you know boys and girls in different schools. I, I read a, a good article a few years ago about the importance of learning to mm-hmm. to um, interact and relate for the business world. So there are always pros and cons, but absolutely, it's you know, and it's I, there's research out there for both, right? But it was a really interesting experience, and even just to reflect with the girls of you know, I kind of asked them, you know, do you do you like not having other, you know, boys to worry about. And this is middle school, I remember. So they were like, yeah, we don't have, you know, they were, they were uniforms. So they said, we don't have to worry about the way we look. We don't have any boys to think about right now. And they could really just focus on what they were there for. Um, but there's also a lot of benefits to have both genders in a classroom too. So, yeah. but yeah, that would definitely be one of my main like takes from, from teaching there. So the goal of the teacher's promise is really to cultivate compassion and promote uh, teacher welfare and the promise of all teachers. So can you tell us a little bit about what role compassion or kindness plays in your work as a teacher? Sure. So when I first started to, or first agreed, I should say, to, to do this podcast with you, I was sharing this story with my husband about how I was really excited to do this, and it kind of sparked a conversation with with us about, like, well, what is compassion? And we talked about a lot of times in his career, and I've done this before too as a teacher, is um, we know we, we get asked to do those little tests or those little quizzes that kind of tell you about yourself. They tell you what kind of a learner you are or what kind of a person you are. And every single one of my tests, I always come up as an empathizer. So I have empathy, which means I can I can feel how other people's feeling or I can relate to how they're feeling. Um, but I think, and this was a really cool discussion that my husband and I had, is like, well, what is compassion then? What's the difference between empathy and compassion? And And I think compassion is then taking that empathy, that feeling that you have, or that you can kind of feel that how the students are feeling, and like, what are you going to do about it? So what action are you going to do, or what call to action do you have when you notice that a student is feeling a certain way? What are you going to do? You know, so you know, if there are those sad feelings or those emotional feelings that you're noticing in a student, what are you going to do to help them with it? So I think, I think that would be kind of a, a way that compassion has a role in my classroom is, I can easily feel, or I, I try to feel the way that they do and feel for them, but then how am I going to either help them or maybe embrace those positive feelings and celebrate those, but then also, if they aren't so positive feelings, what am I going to do to help them? Yeah, I am very compassionate, but not super empathetic. My mm-hmm. wife is off the charts mm-hmm. empathetic. Maybe and, the, you, uh, know, you know, you make a good pair. Yeah, we probably make a good pair because <laughs> of that. But I have to. She has stretched me a lot in that regard. But I, I think that's a wonderful definition. You know, I think we have to feel some of what our students feel in mm-hmm. order to really care. I am constantly working to become more empathetic, um, and so I think maybe people who are empathetic have a bit of an advantage when it comes to actually applying compassion in their classroom. Mm-hmm. So that's a great definition. Uh, does this? interaction or this uh, process help you as a parent? I know you have uh, two, mm-hmm. three kids. I have three little kids. Three kids, yeah. Does this yeah. affect you as a parent at all? Oh, goodness. You know, being a parent is one of those things where you don't understand it until you're actually a parent. Like that feeling of of doing anything for somebody else, right? Like I would do absolutely anything for my kids. But I think that also carries over into the classroom. You know, you connect with some of these students, hopefully all of them, right? But, you, you know, there's always some that you really connect with stronger and you want to do anything for them to help them be successful. So, yeah, I think I think a lot of times um, those same feelings that I have for my my students and my kids, you know, they, they intertwine and they mix. And I was a teacher for quite a while before I had kids. My kids are little. I have a six, four, and two-year-old. 
you know, so I had those fostering feelings for my students of really wanting to help them be successful and caring about them um, in more than just their academics. And then now as a parent, they're just kind of blending. Yeah, I completely agree about, I'm certain that being uh, a dedicated parent has made me a better teacher, but Mm -hmm. trying to be a more compassionate teacher has also helped me become a better parent. Absolutely. Yeah, my kids are you know, older in college and out finishing that. And they're fabulous, by the way. I got a chance to teach both of them. I I did have both. Yeah, yeah, they're, we like them. (laughs) Yeah, you'll keep them (laughs) around. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, we have a major problem in the United States now with uh, teachers leaving the profession, Mm -hmm. which may be leveling out a little bit now. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the recent data, but we know that there has been a major drop in, in, um, young people going mm-hmm. into certification programs in college, especially during the pandemic. And of course, you know, if, if they stop doing that for a few years, it takes f- at least four years to get that back up. Right. So why would you recommend that people become teachers or educators today? Mm-hmm. What, why, why should people become teachers? Yeah. You know, it's a really interesting thought that you said that. When I, you made me think of, when I first applied for my first teaching job, I remember getting some feedback after my interview and saying like we had 400 applicants and I was like wow you know so I was just excited to get an interview I didn't get that job but it was like oh my gosh I was so proud to get an interview and now I feel like sometimes it's like we can't fill a position you know so it absolutely is you know a a struggle and something that we're you know as a as a nation trying to trying to fix um or or need to change right I think sometimes um if I think about how much I've grown as a you know throughout my teaching career I have learned a lot from my students a lot they teach you you know about yourself in ways that I don't think I was quite expecting when I was you know first wanting to become a teacher so yes I would I would definitely agree with you there's there's benefits on both ends right it's kind of a two-way street yeah aside from anything about pay or benefits or things like that which are important and need to be uh, improved mm-hmm. for teachers to, especially to bring more teachers into the mm-hmm. uh, into the community but being a teacher makes us better human beings absolutely it does and that's um, one thing that I would love to see more national campaigns become a teacher it'll make you a better person I, mean, <laughs> I really honestly believe that so um, do you have like a that teacher that really maybe maybe this teacher maybe didn't drive you into teaching or ask you to become a teacher whatever but that teacher that really affected you um, mm-hmm. is there one that you could uh, tell us about sure well I think you know I definitely have to give credit to a lot of my teachers I was like I was a little girl who like had set up my dolls and read stories to them because I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was really little so if you ask my parents like I played teacher a lot so I kind of had that like drive from when I was younger um, I come from a definitely like a teaching family my my dad growing up was was the dad who you, you would ask him a question of dad what does this mean and he'd say let's go get the dictionary and look it up and um, I use that with my kids now and they just like oh, mom can you just tell me um, so I think it started in that family environment um, my brother's actually a high school teacher in Green Bay and my sister is a high school guidance counselor um, So I come from it in my family, but if I can think about like a teacher that really kind of like solidified why I wanted to be a teacher, um, I would probably talk about my high school teacher. I had, I was very fortunate. I had him as a a teacher and a basketball coach. His name was Mr. Tim and he was a teacher who everybody loved. 
And I think the reason why is because he connected and got to know all of us. So he wanted to know more about than just us academically, but what are your interests? What do you like to do? He would challenge us um, in that sense. And then also he just had it like, he has such a high expectation that he wanted us to be such good individuals and really, really cared about us being well-rounded people. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have a really, really supportive family. I have very close parents. Um, but when I was in high school, my dad actually got diagnosed with cancer. And I didn't think that would happen. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. It happens to me all the time. I know. Time. I wasn't expecting that one. Um, so my my older siblings were in college, so it was kind of, it was a lot on me. And I didn't really realize it at the time. Um, I was a junior in high school and at that point, like basketball was my life. I, I really wanted to go to college and play basketball, and I obviously had to keep up on my studies. Um, but there was times when it was like, I didn't know if my dad was going to make it. Um, so you can edit this out. Right? I could edit it out, but it's uh-uh. wonderful. You're doing <laughs> great. Thank you for sharing. And you know, we know that um, sharing honest yeah. stories is really important. So thank you. Take your yes. time. No, I'm okay. Um, so obviously my mom was was really supporting my dad at this time and I was trying to keep up at home with things. And Mr. Tim was the one who would every day check on me and just say, you know, how's it going? And it, it wasn't anything miraculous. It wasn't anything huge. You know, he didn't he didn't, you know, take me into his house or something. It was just every single day he was the person, Amanda, come here, let's chat. And he would just check in with me. It was in the middle of basketball season, so he was, um, you know, kind of helping me, making sure I know my plays. Um, so he was just kind of like a solid person in my life. And I didn't really realize it at the time necessarily, but like looking back and reflecting, like he definitely helped me get through through that. Thankfully, my dad is a cancer survivor and he's still, still rocking it today. And he is like the best grandpa in the whole entire world. Um, but that was like definitely um, a point in my life where like looking back, like, whoo, I was going through a lot of um, stress. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say, and I hope he listens that Mr. Tim definitely not only helped me get through that, but then like just looking back solidified, like I want to, I want to be that person and do that for somebody else. Um, so that little girl who wanted to be a teacher then just like kind of got reminders and solidified as I got older. And when I went to Ripon College, I knew, like I didn't even have to think about what I wanted to major in. I started in the education program immediately my freshman year because that's just how much I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, we'll all give a, a wonderful extended thanks to Mr. Tim. <laughs> and uh, I assure you he will hear this because I'll find him and email him. Oh, thanks. And let him know. So, um, well, that was... Uh, a wonderful story about Mr. Tim and a little bit of heavy stuff. How about you give us a funny story? A funny story. I'm sure, I mean, I taught middle school for the first two years. I was a teacher out in Oregon mm-hmm. and uh, I, I loved it, but there were so many funny moments and the kids sometimes didn't even know they were funny, but uh, can you give us a funny moment <laughs> from, from a middle school science perspective? Sure. Oh, goodness. So if you teach middle school, you know, there, well, I'm just gonna say it. We have some quirky moments. Um, so I teach sixth grade, and I think, I think I said this earlier. Whenever, whenever I tell people I teach sixth grade, I kind of get like a ooh, really? Like kudos to you. I think it's the perfect age. So, um, you know, elementary, it's a little bit more needy, right? Lower elementary. By the time they get to eighth grade, I taught eighth grade. By the time they get to eighth grade, they're not, they're kind of too cool for you a little bit. So I really think sixth grade is just kind of that happy medium. They can do a lot of those things independently. They still think you're really fun and cool, right? 
Um, so I have so much fun with, with our sixth graders. Well, I, I love them. I have to them. tell you, my high school students think I'm so cool. It's impossible to measure. They just, <laughs> they just oh, love Mr. You. Hansen's the coolest. So yeah, I know what you mean. Hey, I had Mr. Hansen as a teacher and I, I'm not going to do this on air, but I can still recite your Robert Frost poem. I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> Um, okay, so my funny story. So I teach sixth grade science, and in the beginning of the year, we always, I, I teach experimental design. So independent and dependent variables and how to like really have a valid experiment. So one of the things that we talk about is having what is called a constant in an experiment. So for example, if I'm gonna, I always use the example in class, like let's see if chewing gum helps you focus better on a test. So we'll. We'll have everybody um, take a test, and then half of you will chew gum, and half of you won't, and we'll kind of compare and see if see if we have any difference in our results. Um, but then I give the example of if you on this half take an eighth grade math test, and you guys take a fourth grade math test, what's wrong with that? And the students all say, "Well, you can't do that because they're two different tests, and then the person or the people who do the eighth grade test they're not going to do as good, right?" So that's a constant. You'd have to have the same same math test to make it a valid experiment. So. We were just doing a really fun experiment in the beginning of the year to, to teach this and practice this. So I decided to do an experiment on how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. And, you know, I was going through pre-lab and we were talking about um, what data we were going to record and how we were going to write it down. And a student raised his hand and he said, Mrs. Spooty, what if my lick is different than somebody else's lick? And I stopped for a second and I said, okay, Max, you're right. I said, that's a good point, right? We need that to be constant. And he's like, well, yeah, what if I suck harder than somebody else sucks? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and I thought about it and I'm like, and none of the kids were laughing. Like they were being very serious about this. I was dying on the inside and I was like, actually, you're right. You know, like we do need to, we need to define what one suck of a, of a sucker is. So we spent, you know, five minutes maybe of my class discussing of, of how to make our, our looks and our sucks of our suckers all the same. And um, I really wish I had another adult in the room at the time just to kind of like feed off of, because oh my goodness, I was just rolling, dying, laughing. And they were genuinely serious about it, and we kind of established what, what one would be, and then we did the experiment. But it's one of those where like you go to lunch, and you're like, oh my gosh, you guys, I have to tell you the story of what just happened, and oh, it was pretty fabulous. I'll never forget it. Max was his name, and I was like, you know what, Max, that's a, a really great point because we want, we want it to be valid. So that's my sucker story. Well, good job, Max. Needless to say, I haven't actually done that. I've, I've changed my um, you know intro experiment throughout the years, and I only I didn't do that one anymore after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> better safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah, at the, at the other end of the public school <laughs> spectrum, by the time they're seniors, most teachers don't know why the students are laughing. Oh, and, that's uh, it, so right? So it is, it is nice to, to yes. be at the, in the, the control the, room. Yeah, and they're, you know... We have some moments where they're they're innocent, which is nice. And and sometimes I say things and I kind of look around like, oh man, okay, but nobody laughed. I can keep going. You know, yeah. they didn't catch it. So yeah. it is a good age. I like it. It is a good age. age. So one of our goals with the Teachers Promise is to um, hear from urban, uh, inner city, suburban, and rural teachers because they're very different experiences. What can you tell us about being a rural teacher that might give people a little more insight? Sure. So I'm a small town farm girl at heart. I grew up in a, in a Southern Door district and now I'm teaching here obviously. So to me, it feels like at home to teach in a rural district. I think sometimes we're tempted or um, maybe persuaded by some of our peers that if we teach in a bigger district or in a city district, we might make more money. My personal opinion is I think 
all schools have their challenges, right? Every, every school that you teach at, you're going to have students who come from all different experiences. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I love about the rural district is that you get a lot of those small town farm kids who they know hard work, they know how to be responsible, they know how to, um, you know, wake up early and milk cows. It, you know, like they they have that that hard work instilled in them. Not that school, not that students in other districts don't. However, I think some of the bigger cities, and I'm thinking, you know, more like inner city Milwaukee, something like that. I think they have you know, bigger challenges maybe because their students are maybe exposed to things that our students might not have access to. That would be my initial thought. Um, so I kind of think it depends on your background and what you enjoy and the kind of the kind of experiences that you have. I know there have been some some teachers that I've taught with in the middle school who come from a bigger city and then they do come to rural Southern Door and I think they often think it's just going to be a stepping stone. I'm going to spend one or two years and they end up falling in love and you know they're still teaching here now. So yeah, I think it kind of depends on your personal preference and and what you personally like. Yeah, that small town feel is nice. It does. Though. It's nice. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Amanda, or what you, what's going on? What what regenerates you? What are you curious or excited about? And of course, this does not have to be in the classroom. Yeah, I know you've got some uh, summer projects going on. Could you tell us a little bit sure. about them? Sure. Well, um, I love being a mom. So first of all, I I love that I get to spend spend summers with my kiddos. Um, I know this isn't exactly your question, but I have to give a shout out. Um, my daughter started 4K this year. And she had the most amazing first year ever. Um, and I have to give a shout out and then I'll answer your question. She had a teacher named Mrs. Vogel. And um, talk about a compassionate teacher because she motivated me like through my daughter to be even more compassionate. So my daughter Reagan would come home and you know I would ask her, like most parents, how's your day? Tell me the best part of your day. And the things that she would say would just instill like um, yes, Mrs. Vogel knew her academically, but she knew her favorite color. She knew that her favorite day was chocolate chip muffin day. She knew that she didn't like wearing dresses because she didn't want to tuck them in her snow pants. Like she knew my daughter. I felt like the same way that I knew my daughter. Um, so yeah, huge shout out to her. She was just amazing and made my daughter like have the best school year ever. And I'm just so excited for her to continue school. So that's my first thing is um, hanging with my kiddos. I actually started another little endeavor this summer, which I'm which I'm having a lot of fun with. So I grew up showing horses, and um, I've always kind of on the side summer summer kind of uh, hobby is giving horse lessons. And um, ironically. Mrs. Vogel's kids, who are in middle school, came for a horse lesson last summer, and I kind of got rejuvenated and kind of kind of sparked up um, giving them lessons again. And my husband and I started um, our own business—I would call it a little business—and we're um, doing horse camps and summer lessons. And um, so I, I have a balance. I'm trying to balance. I have um, two days a week in the summer of of horse camps, so three days with my own kiddos, and then I'm teaching kids all about horse safety and horse grooming and how to ride a horse and um, yeah and then I actually started showing horses again so I grew up showing there's different disciplines I I won't I won't take too much of your time but um, I show English pleasure so I think it's been 16 years since I was in my my last class and I started showing again this summer as well so my goal my my hope is that my kids pick up on that passion as well and and we can continue that so um, 
yeah, I, I, I love teaching and it's it's fun to teach science and it's also fun just to teach something in a little bit of a different environment too that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So. Well, if Amanda has any uh, um, social media links or a webpage or anything, we'll put it in the show notes. And if she does it in the future, we'll come back and then uh, re-release this maybe later so you can see more yeah, about thank that wonderful you. work. Um, well, I just want to thank you very much for taking your time Absolutely. To, to talk with us, Amanda. And we always end the show with uh, thanks. And it is clear and obvious that you are an extraordinary teacher who cares deeply about your students, whether they're in the sixth grade, the eighth grade, your own children, or other people coming to your horse camp. Um, we're extremely grateful for your family for influencing you and persuading you to become a teacher. We're extremely grateful for your father's guidance and that he is doing well. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. Uh, thanks to Mr. Tim for being there when you needed him. But most importantly, thanks to you, Amanda, for loving other people's children and treating them like your own. It's clear and obvious that um, you love them and care for them, and I'm sure that they do for you as well. So. From everybody in the Teacher's Promise community, thank you very much for being a teacher. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. What a wonderful teacher. It was an honor and privilege to have her on the show, and we're very grateful for her uh, willingness to share her stories about her father, Mr. Tim, and Max, and her own kids, and all that she has going on in her life. And thanks again to you for joining us, and importantly, for believing that all children are our children that all kids deserve our intelligent compassion. And thanks for being a part of the community and subscribing and for connecting with other teachers and letting them know about the teacher's promise so we can share with them the free resources and other stories and inspirational material to help them not just get through the week, but enjoy being a part of the noblest profession. And remember, if you have time, please consider leaving a review so it'll help us out and spread the word. And finally, always remember, you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So please join the Teacher's Promise Facebook group. Until next time.